right, man. Let me welcome everybody at all of our campuses here today. Man, if you're brand new, you know, Compassion Christian is uh, one church that meets at six different locations across our region. So let's just start out this week by welcoming all of our friends at East, Evingham, Statesboro, Downtown, Midway, those here in the room in Henderson, those who are watching online. Let's welcome our friends to church today, shall we? Come on, man. Come on. There we go. Awesome. Man, we had a great Mother's Day service last week. I don't know about you, but after church, our family got together and we partied so hard that that happened. <laughs> I mean, conked out halfway through the meal. I could not believe it. I thought it was really funny uh, until that happened. <laughs> now listen, our family's on the same page. Can I get amen? <laughs> We're on the same page, man. Now listen, we've been in this series of messages on relationships for the last few weeks and Man, we talked about single people. We talked about finding somebody on the same page when you're single. Uh, all right, down with the picture while I'm preaching here, all right? Wake up, wake up. Uh, we talked about marriage and, uh, with Kirk Cousins, which I thought was awesome. Uh, we talked about moms last weekend. Uh, and today, uh, I've entitled the message, Getting Your Family on the Same Page. Now, most of us have an idea about how a family should work, but we usually base that on the family we grew up in. And honestly, from inside, you know, it's hard to tell if your family's normal or not, healthy or not, dysfunctional or not, because, I mean, honestly, that's all we got to go by, right? Now, I got three boys who all have families of their own now, and it's been interesting for me to watch them take some of the baggage from our family, I mean, good and bad, uh, into their family, and frankly, watch them choose to do things differently in their family because of the family they grew up in. You know why? Because none of us have perfect families. Can you get amen? amen? I tell you, my family's certainly not perfect. Did you hear about the mama that had five kids and somebody was talking to her and she was, they were so amazed that she had five children. They said, hey, if you had it to do all over again, would you have five children again? And she said, I sure would, of course. Just not the same ones. <laughs> you know? Now, you know, our families may not be perfect, but I'm telling you that concept of family is so important that when God sent his only son into the world, he chose to trust Jesus to the love and care of a human family. Have you ever thought about that? It's as if God is saying, look, I want my son to grow up in a family. I want him to have a mom and dad. I want him to have brothers and sisters. I want my son to know what it's like to have uncles and aunts and cousins. And you know, maybe, honestly, for Jesus to be tempted in all ways just as we are and yet without sin, he had to grow up in a family, amen? <laughs> he had to face the challenges of being inside a family. And you know, because some of us grew up in unhealthy families and because some of us grew up in dysfunctional families and because many of us are the first followers of Jesus ever in our families, sometimes it leaves us wondering, man, what does a healthy family look like? I mean. If we want to get everyone on the same page, what page is that? So today, I want to walk you through six traits of a healthy family. And I think if we can get on the same page with these values, they will create the building blocks for a great family. Now, uh, you can take notes on our app today if you haven't downloaded the Savannah, Savannah Christian. <laughs> Compassion Christian app. Uh, you can take full notes on our Compassion Christian app. Uh, you know, or you can just take your note sheet we gave you on the way in and write six words. Uh, and you'll have the beginning of a matrix that you can use to build a family 
that will bless you and bless the children who follow you for generations to come. And let me tell you what my prayer is today with this message. I'm praying that a hundred years from today, people in your family will get together and say, my great granddaddy, my great grandmama moved to Savannah, the Savannah area to be in the army or go to SCAD or work at Gulfstream or teach at Georgia Southern. And they were led to a life-changing relationship with Jesus at Compassion Christian Church. And that's where they learned from the Bible what totally changed our family tree. And our family started growing in healthy, strong ways in 2019 because of my great-granddad and my great-grandma. That's my prayer for your family, 100 years from today. So let's get started. Number one, a healthy, functional family practices faith at home. Say it with me, everybody. Faith at home. Now, you know, in Joshua 24, we find the Jewish people at kind of a pivot point in their history. 400 years of slavery in Egypt is behind us. That's all over now. 400 years of homeless wandering in the wilderness. That's all behind us. That's ended now. They've moved into the promised land. They're getting ready to build homes and families for the future. And their leader is a guy named Joshua, who's just this legendary leader. And he brings them into the promised land. And he is, he is about to die. He wants to leave the people of Israel that he loves so much with his last words. Last words of wisdom. And guess what he talks about? Economics. No. Political parties. No. Money. No. Family. Family is what he talks about. And he tells the people he loves so much, you got to decide what kind of family you want to be. Now, if you want to worship the idols and the temporary pleasures of the culture we've been a part of, man, if that's the kind of family you want, you don't even have to make a decision. You'll drift in that direction. That's what you'll become by default. But not me, bro. I've seen the pain that brings. I don't want a thing to do with it. So I want to ask you, like me, to choose today who you will serve. That's a decision that only you can make. And then he gives this battle cry that's been like a primary building block for healthy families ever since. He says, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Amen? Let's say it all together like lions. Come on. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Now, Dad, let me ask you a question. Have you driven that, you driven that stake in the ground yet? Mom, have you decided this is the kind of family I want to build? As for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, you've heard me thank Jesus over and over and over again that I grew up in a family with faith-filled parents. Now, my family had to deal with a lot of pain when I was growing up, but I thank God I had a mom and a dad who loved the Lord. Man, my dad was a farmer and a salesman. He became an elder in our church in his late 30s. He's with the Lord now. My mother was a public school music teacher. She led the glee club. Uh, at our high school. And man, she uh, led the music at our little country church for 60 years. And she's still going strong. She's sitting right over there last week. And again, I thank God that they both loved and served the Lord. But listen, not everybody in their family made that choice. Not everybody in their family made that choice. Consequently, I have uncles and aunts whose families have been terrorized by divorce and alcoholism and drug addiction. Man, I came from a family of strong faith, but that faith was developed one generation ago by my dad and my mom. And I'm telling you that so you'll have hope. No matter what your spiritual background is today, no matter what your spiritual fa your family tree has looked like up to this point, you, you, you can be the one who will say, I will not allow my family's past to define our family's future. 
Because as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord starting today. Amen? Let me tell you what happens every week at our church. I just exchanged emails with a woman at our East Campus who shared that with me this week. She said, I'm the first follower of Jesus in my family. And now I'm married to this godly soldier and our family is finally on the same page. And man, she is so excited that for the first time in her family's history, she's able to say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, I talk to so many single moms and dads who have a heart to do this, but they just don't even know where to begin. And so can I just make a simple suggestion if you're a single parent or a parent who's just trying to start building a spiritual legacy in your family, here is a great starting point. Starting today, every time you sit down for a family meal, I want to encourage you to say a prayer of thanks to God out loud. Out loud. Now, you're probably thinking, Cam, I wouldn't even know how to start. That's what I'm here for. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to teach you right now. Repeat after me. Take my hand. Okay, now y'all going to play ball or what? All right, take my hand. Close your eyes. Bow your head. Now that whole eye closing and head bowing thing, that is not required for prayer, okay? Thank God because I pray driving all the time. I would have killed a million people by now if that was required. But you know what? When you bow your head, you're showing respect. When you close your eyes, you're cutting out distractions. You focus. And here's how you pray. Lord, this is new for me. Say it. Lord, this is new for me. And you know what that is? That's honesty. And God and everybody else loves honesty. And anybody who laughs because you're being honest, they don't count. Amen? They don't count. Just don't even count them. Lord, I want you to know my family is grateful for your love. Say it with me. I want you to know my family is grateful for your love. And we just want to say thank you for this food. Say it. We just want to say thank you for this food in Jesus' name, amen. Friends, my family has done this for every meal since Sarah and I were dating. We join hands because I have three sons. And I'm not going to close my eyes with sharp objects in front of them three boys without knowing i got a little bit of control here, right? Plus, they'll get the jump on you and won't be any food left. So we hold hands, all right? I mean at every meal, at home, in restaurants, jalapenos, McDonald's, Ruth's Chris. Every meal, we take hands and we thank God for being so good to us. And we've been doing it for so long, it feels normal. In fact, now, I'll tell you what feels abnormal is when we don't pray, the grandkids will say, Papa, we didn't pray. I'm like, what are you, the prayer police or something? But they are kind of the prayer police. Now, can I just tell you, if you pray over meals for 21 days in a row, it will become the new normal for your family. And your kids will learn a value from you by participating in a meaningful family ritual. But Cam, I'm 70 years old. Well, get started before you die, right? Let's get started. Start now. Now, friends, you can't do this wrong. You can't do this wrong if you're trying to tell God thank you. So just start today. Start stumbling through it. And if your kids laugh, don't get mad. You laugh with them. I got a buddy who was at McDonald's, and he's trying to pray, and he said, Lord, thank you for these chicken McNubbins. When he said McNubbins, his kids started giggling. And he's like, what did you giggling about? And he started to get mad about it because, you know, he felt a little embarrassed. And they said, McNubbins, what's a McNubbin? And then he, and by God's grace, he started laughing too. And you know what? That's just one of those memories that they, they talk about to this day. Now, of course, the first 21 times you try to pray, it will feel awkward. And then it will start to feel really natural. And then it will be easy to just turn to one of your kids and say, 
please. And they will know that means it's their turn to pray. And they will follow your example and do your family as often running. Now, here's a second suggestion on this one. Friends, please take full advantage of all of the ministries for your children and elementary and middle school and high school students here at our church. Dude, don't drag in here every three weeks thinking your child is going to be transformed. I'm telling you, the student ministry at our church is a gift from God. Let's get on the same page with this thing. I do not understand Christian parents who will drive all over creation all week long to get their kids to some baseball game or football or soccer or dance team and will not expend the same energy to get their kids to ministry here at our church that will help them grow in their faith. Now, I know why it happens. It's because those parents want their kids to succeed in the world more than they want them to succeed with the Lord. And that don't make sense to me especially if you actually believe in Jesus. I'm telling you, man, I will never understand parents who will gladly spend whatever it costs to get the latest Nikes or sports camp or coolest haircut or trendiest clothes and won't spend the money to send their kids to summer church camp or send them on a global mission trip where their life could be changed for good forever. But they'll cough it up for cheerleading camp. Now, you know what we say all the time around here? Give me a checkbook. Give me a calendar, give me 60 seconds, and I can tell you the God you worship because you give big blocks of money and time to the God you love the most. And friends, I'm telling you, Compassion Christian Church will not have to stand before God accountable for the spiritual development of your children. You will, and I will. Now, Compassion is determined to stand here beside you and partner with you so that you don't have to bear this responsibility alone. But you got to know, you cannot outsource your kid's spiritual development. you got to get in this fight. And let me tell you, healthy families lead with faith at home. Faith at home. Second building block, affection. Say it with me, everybody. Affection. Members of healthy, functional families know that giving and receiving love in tangible, lavish, life-giving, irrationally generous ways with words and glances and smiles and winks and touches is just one of the most important gifts that you can give in a family. And if your family's not this way, this is the new normal you need to start praying for. And you know, it can start in silly ways. I mean, with little silly games you play with little kids. How much I love you, baby? I love you as much as all the stars in the sky. I love you as much as all the fish in the sea. One little five-year-old told his grandmama, I love you as much as all the cat hair on all the cats in the whole world. <laughs> we need to pray for that kid, y'all. <laughs> we need to pray for that. Do you remember what God the Father did for his son Jesus when Jesus launched his ministry by being baptized in the Jordan River? You remember what happened? A voice thundered from heaven in a way that everybody there could hear. And God said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Said it. Said those words out loud about his son. Imagine how encouraging and, and, and ennobling it was for Jesus as he's leaving his family construction business to go start a ministry that he knows is going to end on a blood-soaked cross. Imagine the confidence and the courage that welled up inside the Lord Jesus when he heard his dad give full voice 
to his love as Jesus was launching out to fulfill his purpose and his destiny in this world. Imagine the stability and the security that he would, that would just be normal for the next three years because his dad made sure that he knew and everybody else knew that God was well pleased with Jesus. Now, I know Sarah and I have not been ideal parents. And I know I've made far more mistakes than my Sarah has. But I also know this. When I see my sons expressing their love and their affection to their children, and I know one reason that's normal in in their home. And I'll tell you, it's because it was normal in the home where they grew up. Now, we had high expectations in our home, a lot of discipline in our home. But they heard their parents say multiple times every day how much we love them, how proud we were of them. They felt that love. They experienced that love from us. We didn't outsource that. I'm the leader of my house. My hand is on the thermostat of affection in my family. Amen? My hand. And when our kids grow up knowing they are loved, they don't have to go looking for that in the backseat of a car somewhere. Men, when our kids face the pain and disappointments and frustrations of life that inevitably must come, that came for Jesus, like Jesus, man, when they know they are loved, it provides a stability and a strength that will enable them to just power through those challenges. Man, when you know you are loved by a family who didn't just assume you'd figure it out, who'd made the effort to tell you consistently and show you every day, Dude, that makes a kid's strong heart, heart strong. Healthy, functional families practice faith at home. Man, they express massive amounts of affection. Here's the third building block. They are intentional about creating family memories. Say it with me, everybody. Memories. My wife is so good at this. And honestly, I just don't think I did that very well. In fact, I think my sons do it a lot better than I did. Uh, I was trying to remember this week if there were ever times when, you know, the boys would say, Dad, tell us a story about when you were a a little kid. And I I just don't remember telling a lot of stories about when I was growing up. I just don't think I did that very well. But I'm telling you, every time my boys get together, (laughs) there's always a night when we just start rolling, laughing about the time Uncle Cam was playing an angel in one of Gaga's plays at church. And then he and Sean Erig lost their minds and bleached their hair right before opening night. And instead of it turning blonde, it turned into bozo yellow. And Gaga was not impressed. And our kids just giggle. Or they tell about Uncle Harrison when he was little and he just loved to feel everything. And we lived out in the backyard and he was just wiggling his toes in a big old anthill. And Papa just ran out to get him and almost made it. He was only 108 ant bites late. And Harrison lived to tell the tale about how Uncle Uncle G worked on the yard crew at Southbridge one summer and came and asked Papa if he could borrow a Hawaiian shirt because it was casual Friday (laughs) on the yard crew. (laughs) Casual Friday on the yard crew, really? I was like, dude, does the yard crew have casual Friday? He's like, can I borrow one? (laughs) I guess so. You know what? I've done so many funerals in my ministry here and every single one of them, The night before the funeral, I get the family all together and I'm talking to people, you know, who just had a daddy die or a mom die or a child die. And every single time I sit down with them the night before the funeral and I ask them some questions that will get them talking about their favorite memories of the loved one who has died. And I'm telling you, 15 minutes later, they are laughing and crying at the same time, reliving and honoring a life that was well lived 
You know, sometimes they'll tell me about a camping story and dad didn't know how to put the tent up and it rained all week and the humidity was 120% and mosquitoes about carried us away and the raccoons broke into the cooler and ate all our food and it was great. And ironically, you know, parents come home from trips like that and they think, what a disaster. We'll never do that again. But the kids carry those memories with them for the rest of their lives and they get preserved in these great family stories and then they just carry it forward into the next generation. Friends, all the research shows that family traditions, family holidays, family gatherings are super important and they play a huge role not only in developing a healthy family, but a healthy sense of identity. I mean, think about what you know about the Old Testament. How many times did God initiate a feast, a holiday, a celebration, stop work, get the family together, let's talk about this, let's honor this together. Dude, do you realize how many studies suggest that family vacations are the greatest memories that children carry with them from their childhood? Now, I'm telling you, my family, I'm the cheap one. I like Sam's Wholesale. I like buying stuff on sale. I like lurking on eBay, looking for a steep discount. Man, I bought a $2,000 part for my motorcycle for $230 one time. I thought I won a Super Bowl. But I'll tell you one area where I've gladly spent a ton of money where I carefully budget every year and save all year so we don't have to go into debt, is on family vacations. And we almost always spend it going to see family. But our family lives literally all over this continent, and we are close because we've invested the time to make sure we're close. And it doesn't cost a bunch of money. Man, you can put a tent up in the backyard. I mean, you can roast marshmallows over a fire pit. You can do a staycation and go see all the tourist stuff in Savannah that people literally come from all over the world to see. And it'll bless your family for a long time. I want to encourage you, don't underestimate the connectedness that forms when you intentionally plan time for your family to be together. Friends, we need a way to break the routine. We need a way to make some big moments. And healthy families intentionally invest time to build those family memories and build faith at home. And, and they make affection normal. Here's another building block. Healthy families study the unique inclination. Say it with me, everybody. Inclination, the unique inclination of every family member. Man, healthy families discover the gifts and the passions and the talents and the abilities and the natural inclination of everybody in that family, and then they just try to draw it out. And man, if your family's like mine, you know, your, your family, we're all really different from each other. I mean, when my kids were little, we couldn't even hardly decide where to eat. One wanted pizza, one wants Mexican, one wants seafood, Sarah wants atmosphere, I want cheap. I'm just telling you, man. But you know what? That's normal. That's normal in families. One of the things that healthy families recognize is that God creates every person with unique gifts and abilities and desires. And man, healthy families identify that inclination and strength and then just fan it into a flame. And man, it's amazing how many, you know, how the same parents can produce really diverse children. I mean, one kid might be artistic and another is athletic and one's mechanical or mathematical or musical or an intense leader or super laid back. You know, one might be an Alabama fan and the other a Christian. I mean, you just, you know, <clears throat> I'm just kidding about that, y'all. That's kidding. That's kidding about that. Let it go, y'all. Let it go. I wish I could let it go. But anyway, all right, you know, in healthy families, you know, the natural inclination of every family member is celebrated. And it's, the differences are seen as a complementary strength. In healthy families, we believe that differences make us stronger. So we want each family member to discover how God created them 
and then develop those core competencies. And we encourage them in those areas. I tell you, the passage that kind of stamps this value is found in Proverbs chapter 22. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. And then when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, most of us think that means that if you get him, you raise him right, they'll stay on the right path. That's not what most scholars believe this passage is trying to teach. This passage is saying, if you train up a child in the way that child should go, if you figure out what kind of kid is this, what kind, of, what kind of passion, what kind of gifts, what kind of aptitude, what kind of inclination, and then you raise them that way, man, figure out and help that child find their unique strengths and then help them pursue it. I, I have a son that's been writing music and forming Christian bands since he was in high school. You know what? He's a worship leader today, and he has songs that have been played millions of times on Spotify that honor the Lord. I got another son, Harrison, has amazing people skills. He's used those uh, skills to optimize his preaching and his leadership everywhere he's ever served. I have a son, Garrett, who has a crazy sense of humor. Now, he's a pastor, and he's moving to North Carolina to start a church. But you know what? He does stand-up comedy to reach people that will never come to church. And all three of those men were raised in the same home by the same parents, going to the same church. But they all three have unique gifts and abilities that God is blessing. Parents, you will give your children the blessing of developing their unique ability rather than trying to cram them into some mold in your mind. Man, help them find the strengths, you know, whether they're artistic or athletic or academic or in leadership or working with their hands or teaching or whatever. Man, if you can help them discover and develop those unique giftings, dude, I'm telling you, you will put wind beneath their wings. It's amazing. Now, this next building block of a healthy, functional family is something you don't hear too much about these days. In fact, the less our culture has taught about this next value, the more we've heard about school shootings and abortions and addictions and unwed pregnancies and all that. The L stands for limits. Say it with me, everybody. Limits. Healthy boundaries. Loving discipline. Listen, healthy families know that loving limits Make kids feel secure. Now, you know, this came up last week when we were talking about the challenges of being a mom on Mother's Day. These beautiful, innocent-looking little babies that we're taking pictures of all the time, they're a bunch of little sinners, amen? <laughs> they are born with a sin nature. You know why? Because they come from parents who have a sin nature. And you take a sinful dad and a sinful mom, and they have a little sinnerling, that's what happens, Right? <laughs> Now, I'm telling you, there have been philosophical debates through the centuries about whether children are born good and then they learn to do bad, or if they're born with a predisposition toward mischief, a predilection toward selfishness. And can I tell you, based on the authority of the Word of God and my own empirical observations as a father of three, every child is born with a sin nature. The Bible says folly is bound up in the heart of a child, every child every child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from them. Discipline. Did you hear about the guy who was teaching about the story of Abraham offering his son Isaac as a sacrifice when he was 12 years old? And somebody asked him, said, so why do you think it was 12 years old when he uh, had to make that sacrifice? And the teacher said, well, if he'd waited until he was a teenager, it wouldn't have been a sacrifice. <laughs> now, if you can relate to that, don't raise your hand, all right? Don't raise your hand. But you know, we can learn something from God on this. 
And God is the perfect parent. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says the Lord disciplines. Everybody say discipline. discipline. The Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts. Punishes for what? For sin. He punishes each one he accepts as his child. Friends, notice that even God disciplines those he loves because he knows that loving limits are best for everybody. And if you don't discipline your child, you will create a doubt in their heart about how much you value them, how much you expected them, how much you actually love them. And you know, the irony is in this world, we think not disciplining is a sign of love. It's the opposite. Friends, discipline is important and healthy, and the lack of it is a form of neglect. Discipline is doing your child a favor. You know why? Because the Bible says you reap what you sow. And man, kids need to learn from an early age, everything costs something. I mean, from an early age, kids need to learn that there is a cause and effect dynamic in life. If you don't obey mommy the first time she asks you to, to do something, you go into the timeout chair. If you're mean to your sister, you're going to get a spanking. If you ride that bicycle past the corner, you're going to lose that privilege for a week. As a teenager, you get a speeding ticket or you come in late, you're going to get some family time. You're going to be spending time right here at the house. Restrictions coming out like an anvil, bro. I'm telling you, kids need to understand this cause and effect. You don't want a prison system to teach them that. You don't want some cop to have to teach them that. Our kids need to learn. Bad behavior brings bad consequences. You bring this on yourself. Now, you need to be clear what those expectations are. and You need to teach them limits in advance. But man, our children need to learn that disobedience brings consequences. You are not doing your child any favor by shielding them from the natural consequences of bad decisions because you always step in and try and fix everything for them. Did you hear about the 16-year-old boy just got his driver's license? Family's going out, so the kid gets in the drive. The dad sits in the seat right behind him. And the boy looks in the rearview mirror and says, Dad, I guess you sit back there so you can get a different view after driving all these years from the front, right? He said, oh, no, I'm sitting back here so I can kick the back of your seat like you've been kicking the back of my seat for the last 16 years. <laughs> you know what? You reap what you sow. There are natural consequences if your kids don't know that. If they don't learn that at home, they're going to learn it somewhere else. And it won't be a loving teaching either. There are also good consequences that, that are, are reaped from wise decisions. Man, the more responsible you are, the more rewards you will receive in life, the more trust, the more freedom you get. Man, tell your children when they're handling responsibility well. Tell them how proud you are of them. Let them know that you're increasing their privileges because they've been so trustworthy. I mean, so often parents try to block this law by butting in and trying to fix every one of their kids' problems. And let me tell you, that can become a pattern and a problem that will plague your kids for the rest of their lives. I mean, think about your own life. Isn't it true that the most valuable lessons you've ever learned in life, you learned the hard way? Hard knocks, consequences because you did the wrong thing, and then we think, well, I want to spare all my kids that. Hey, if that's where you learn the most, why would you want to spare your kid that? So rather than shielding your kids and protecting them and cushioning them from every little fall, Man, they need to experience the natural consequences of life. Let them reap what they've sown. Or you'll just become an enabler of immaturity and irresponsibility. And that immaturity 
will stalk them for a lifetime. All right, there's one more building block that's just essential if you want to build a healthy, functional family. The Y stands for you. Say it with me, everybody. You. you. To have a healthy, functional family, you have to be engaged. You got to be there. You got to be present. You got to be involved. Friends, that doesn't happen when you live your life on the margins. Now, let me tell you, there's a super helpful passage in the Bible for families that are trying to get on the same page. We've heard it for the last three weeks. We heard it from Kirk Cousins when he was here two weeks ago. We heard it from our Mother's Day panel last week. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 5, the fifth book in the Bible. It has been a foundational building block for healthy families for 5,000 years. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart. You impress them on your children. You talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Now think about it. If you're looking for that window of opportunity to impress godly values on your family while you're sitting at the house, when you're traveling with the family, when you're getting ready for bed, when you're getting everybody up in the morning, dude, that's, that's not just quality time. That's quantities of time with your kids. And friends, you've got to know scheduling quality time is a myth. It's a myth. Quality time is the interest you earn on quantities of time. And man, I just got to tell you, I think one of the greatest threats to the family today is overcommitment. Overcommitment to career, overcommitment to extracurricular activities. Man, if we overcommit our kids to every sport team, academic, travel team, music, dance, we're overcommitting ourselves as well. And listen, there's nothing wrong with having a career that you love. I think God created us to be energized by that. And there's nothing wrong with having hobbies that, that refresh you. I mean, we all need that. And we all go through unexpected, intense seasons of life, and we can't always control that. But you know, too much of a good thing is a bad thing. And if we schedule ourselves until there's no margin left, there is no white space in the calendar, it's the amount of stuff that we're trying to do that becomes destructive to our marriages and our families. Man, if you never say no, what you sacrifice is space for communication and appropriate rest and health. Now, I'm just telling you, I don't want my family to know I love them in my heart. I want them to know that I love them with my schedule. They can't see your heart, but they can see your schedule. Now, I don't remember a single time raising my kids when I ever heard one of them say, Dad, we have played enough. Why don't you go back to the office and see if you can earn us some more money? Don't remember a single time. Never once in 38 years of marriage has Sarah complained to me, Cam, you're coming home too early. You're helping out too much. You're in my way. Never heard that. And I just want to say this. If you're asking your family to settle for your leftovers, your leftovers of time, that flies in the face of the best relational wisdom in the world. Paul said in Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And say it with me, everybody, gave himself up for her. Parents, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Dads, moms, grandparents, the greatest gifts you can give your family is you. You be present there. This is how you spell family. 
This is what a healthy family looks like. This is how a family gets on the same page. They, they practice faith at home. They give affection in huge doses. They make memories with the future in mind. They, they discover the inclination. They become an expert on how God has crafted every individual member of that family. They, they, they have limits, loving limits and immediate consequences when those limits are tested so the kids know we're serious. And then you, full access to you. Now let me ask you a question. What's God saying to you today? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Where did you get hit? Because you got hit somewhere. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today? My guess is, as we walk through this, there are one or two of these things where you're thinking, man, we've got to get on the same page. And there's some conversations that we need to have, and it's probably going to be tough. And that's okay. That's okay. If a tough conversation puts the right thing on the table, and then you can get help with that, dude, that's a good thing. You know, the, the brother of the Lord Jesus said in James chapter 1, do not merely listen to the word. Because if that's all you'll do, you'll just deceive yourself. You'll think it, you think hearing the word makes a difference. It doesn't. You've got to do what it says. Do what it says. Where are you on this list where you are absolutely sure that God wants you to be more than just a hearer? He wants you to be a doer today. Is it faith at home? Is it affection in large doses? Is it memories that you create with the future in mind? Uh, is it inclination where you're honoring every kid, limits, you're practicing that discipline? Is it you making yourself available for your family? I want to encourage you to have a conversation about this. Take this acrostic and have a conversation with your family. Ask your family which one of these we're the best at. And ask them which one are we the worst at. And then go to work. Father, help us to realize today that we will never get on the same page by accident. It's going to take a commitment to the truth. It's going to take a commitment to your word. It's going to take a commitment to each other. And I pray, God, that this acrostic that we wrote down on our note sheet today, or it's on our app, this will, become, this will be the foundation for a conversation that will give us one idea that we can change, one thing that we can address, one value that we can build on. And over the next year, it'll change our family. Help us to have the wisdom and the courage and the humility to take that step. This is our prayer, Lord Jesus, in your strong name. Amen.